It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Okay, this is the last week of the reposts for helping you get a good start to 2020. I hope you enjoy this episode, and then next week we'll be back to our normal schedule with guests and some solo episodes sprinkled throughout. Enjoy! What's up, guys? We are on our final week of the last 30 days challenge. I don't know about you, but this has been incredible for me. I've been really feeling very accomplished and feeling like 2019 is going to be the best year yet because we're doing the work right now. We've already been working on planning for 2019. So it's not going to be a huge transition for us because we've got it in the bag. So I've been really enjoying this. And this week is our last week. We're officially wrapping up right before the new year officially starts. And today we're going to be talking about improving your habits. So over the last few weeks, we've covered topics like mindset, setting better financial goals, and how to conduct a yearly financial review. The yearly financial review was so hard for me, guys. I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed it, but it was really eye-opening in kind of a negative way for me when I saw how much money I had been spending on just stupid things and business expenses. It made me want to start to change things up. And I guess that's the point of doing a yearly financial review so I can actually see what I'm spending my money on over the course of a year. But first, if you haven't gone through the challenges previously, before you officially listen to all of this episode, go back to week one. Week one's when we talked about money mindset. Highly suggest you start there because each of these weeks does kind of build on each other. And there is an intentional flow that's going to help you stay on track and prep for 2019. So with our final week, we're going to be taking everything we know to be true and flipping it on its head. And in this week, we're going to get a little bit drastic and we're going to go all in on your life because here's what I know for sure. Too many of us are settling and playing way, way, way too small because we have conditioned ourselves to do this. Every single day we make small choices and those small choices compound and turn into our results. Those small choices are actually called habits. Those little tiny things that we do. Do we go to the gym or do we sit on the couch and watch Netflix? There's so many good Netflix shows, so it can be really tricky. Or do we go to bed and uh, catch up on the news or watch YouTube videos? Or do we spend about 10 to 15 minutes meditating and or reading? We all have the same 
amount of hours in a day. But what we choose to do with those hours is really truly what separates us from successful people to people that are just living and and just coasting through life. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are not a coaster. You're not going to just coast through life. You want a better life for yourself and you deserve it. So that's why we're focusing so much on the habits because that's where all of our results come from. Now, just to recap, remember during week one, when we talked about your thoughts, creating your feelings and your feelings, creating your actions, and then your actions, creating your results. So that's why we focused on mindset so thoroughly because your thoughts are exactly what creates that feeling. If you don't feel like you can do something, you don't think you can do something, you're definitely not going to feel like it and you're not even going to take that action. You're not even going to try. So that's why once you have those positive thoughts, you can start to tackle your goals, which was what we covered in week two. And then you ideally have the courage to dive into your actual financial results and start to assess if you are or are not okay with the results that you're getting. And here's the thing. If you don't like your results right now, you can change it. That's kind of the cool thing about life. We have control over where our lives go. And it's really, really kind of empowering once you take that into consideration. It can be a bit depressing when you actually realize that your results are not always, but usually I'd say probably about 80 to 90% of our results are from ourselves. Yes, life can happen. Life can kick incredibly hard, but how we choose to deal with those hardships is really what separates us. So when we're talking about habits, one thing that I see a lot of people confuse are habits and goals. And let me be clear, habits are not goals. I used to think this. I used to set a running goal list, which was basically just a to-do list of all the things that I wanted to accomplish in my life. And I thought that was a goal list. I was like, cool, I'm setting goals. They're a little bit actionable. They might be smart goals. I'm in it to win it. I'm good. (laughs) But what I realized is that there's a huge difference between a goal and a habit. Goals have a very clear end mark. It's 100% objective. We know if we achieved our goal or missed that mark. Habits are very, very different. Habits are those routine things that we do every single day to support our dream life. And they don't necessarily have an end date. So what I've learned from some of the pros is that habits aren't a fit finish line to be crossed. It's a lifestyle to be lived. Do you see the difference? If you have goals, then you set something like, I don't know, if your goal is go to the gym five times per week or meal prep every Sunday or only spend $100 a month on eating out. Those are not goals. Those are habits to aim for. They're not goals. So goals should be the bigger picture. Where do you want your life to go? That's the map that you're moving towards. And habits are just like the little tiny things that you have to do to get you to that point as well and maintain the rest of your life. So I've also learned that habits are immediately satisfying. If, if they are immediately satisfying, you're, they're much more likely to be repeated, which makes sense, right? It's easier to stick with a habit when you immediately get a reward from it. That's why it's so much easier easier to eat a donut today instead of going to the gym. Because we, when we eat the donut, we're rewarded immediately. We feel great. It was tasty. We got it. But when we go to the gym, we don't necessarily see results. Sometimes it can take a few weeks. Sometimes it can take a few months. So our job as individuals is to try to learn to associate positive rewards with the not so fun routines. This is especially true if you're trying to pay off debt and you're trying to side hustle. It can be incredibly (laughs) when you have to go to a job that you're not quite that crazy about, but if you can find some type of a reward in there, it makes it so much more enjoyable. When I was doing an Uber Eats challenge just to try it out and see if I liked it, what I found was, yes, I had the reward of going and driving Uber Eats for 
the experience so I can tell you guys about if it works or it doesn't work. But the other reward was I said I was going to put all of the Uber Eats income that I received directly towards travel because that's what motivates me. That's what I'm really excited about. That's why I run my own business and have a flexible lifestyle is because I love traveling. So for me, that was a way that I could associate a, a good thing to a not so fun task all the time. So let's dive into how do we actually start to create more positive habits? Now that we know the difference between a habit and a goal, step one is to think like the person you want to become. Okay, why are we starting here? So because if you think about it, whatever person you're hoping to become, that direction you're wanting your life to go, that person has habits and those habits create their reality. So that's why it's really important to start to think, what would the person I want to become, what do they do? What do they do on a daily basis? What problems do they focus on? How do they respond to stress? What time do they get up? How is their day set up? How many hours do they work? The more granular you can become with what a day in the life of a person you want to be looks like, the more you can use habits to support you on your way to that new person. So I'm actually reading a book right now that's called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Now, David is a total rock star, and he mentions an, mentions an exercise that I think is probably going to be incredibly unpopular for a lot of people. But honestly, I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was so interesting. So David, at one point, was about 100 plus pounds overweight, and he needed to lose those pounds in order to join the Navy. They were told him, if you wanted to join the Navy, you had to get down to a certain level. And honestly, he was sick of having people tell him that he was okay, that he was fine, that just telling him what he thought, what they thought he wanted to hear. And it just gave him that nod of approval, but it really further reinforced that he was fine the way he is. And frankly, he wasn't, he wasn't fine. He needed to lose some weight so he could join the Navy to reach his goal. And maybe you're fine the way you are. Maybe you know you can do better. So David personally thought he could do better and he had to do better in order to accomplish this goal. So he went through this period of time where he realized he could not be the best version of himself if he consistently lied to himself. He had to get uncomfortably honest with himself. And he started by looking in the mirror. And instead of telling himself, you're perfect the way you are, he said, you're overweight and fat and you need to fix this. And when I first heard this, I was like, ooh, damn, that's kind of harsh. But what I actually found from hearing his story is that when he discovered that he had to stop lying to himself, then he could actually get out of his own way and he developed a tough skin from it. He channeled that into changing his life. Now, I know this sounds a bit extreme, but I've actually been trying this myself. And frankly, I kind of love the idea of being incredibly honest with myself because at the end of the day, I'm not happy with my results, then I'm the only person that can fix it. So tread lightly on this one because I know a lot of people are, I mean, maybe experiencing some self-esteem issues, maybe a little bit of depression or anxiety. And I, I do understand that this could potentially trigger more things for you. So tread very, very lightly on this. You have to know who you are. But if you're like seriously ready for some change, that brutal honesty could actually help you. So don't lie to yourself, but tell it like it is. If you're in debt and you look in the mirror and you say, it's okay, it's okay that I'm carrying debt, but you actually aren't happy with carrying debt, then it's not okay. But you have to be your own toughest critic and the biggest supporter at the exact same time. So the thing to remember here is it's important that you're not shaming yourself and you're not furthering that negative self-talk. Remember, we talked about self-talk in, in the first week of our challenge when we talked about mindset. 
You do not want to be a negative person to yourself, but you do need to be an honest person with yourself. So like David, he wasn't beating himself up. He wasn't saying, I'm such a POS. I can't do anything right. I'm never going to lose enough weight. I suck. I'm just the worst person ever. He didn't do that. Instead, he simply stated the facts. He was overweight and he needed to fix it. And so I think as someone who, if you're sick and tired of being sugar-coated and having advice that's just you know, telling you exactly what you want to hear or maybe a little bit superficial. I personally appreciated this candor and I'm actually trying it in my own life. So if you choose to go this one, if you like the idea of being incredibly brutally honest with yourself in a kind way, remember, don't be a jerk to yourself. Don't, don't really beat yourself up, but be honest. Then here's your homework assignment for this step. Write come thinks about, stresses about, and does on a daily basis. Get very, very clear there. And then the second part of this is to ask yourself, are there any areas of real life that you're currently lying to yourself in? What can you do to be more honest with yourself without telling yourself untrue things? Focus only on the problem at hand. State the facts. Don't make it personal. And then once you go through that exercise, step two is all about how do you set up your environment for success? This one's kind of fun, and it's a little bit difficult because what I find is that our environments are a direct reflection of how we personally feel. When I feel like crap, my office is a total cluster. It's like just scatter. looks like a tornado came through. I don't know what the heck happened, but it gets a little out of control. And the same thing for my home life. Whenever I feel out of control, my house is a direct reflection of that. So it's crucial that we start to optimize for not just the finish line, but for the starting point. Because habits are ongoing, which means that they don't end. There's no end date to a habit. You don't get to a place where you can stop thinking about your habits. They're continually going on. You always need to actively work towards them. And it does get easier once you make those habits part of your normal routine, but you're still at danger for falling off the bandwagon and having to start over. This is a very, very common thing. You might go to the gym five days a week and do that for four months, but then all of a sudden one little thing changes and pretty soon you're back in the exact same place and you're like, what the heck happened? I was doing so good. It's because you tried to rely on habits. And frankly, remember, they're ongoing. They don't stop. You don't get to a point where you don't have to think about it anymore. That's not how that works. And honestly, for me personally, I have to work on this step every single day. Every single day I have to think about this. You know that really cheesy quote that motivation is like bathing, you have to do it daily? Well, it's kind of true for our habits as well. You have to take those steps every single day and actively think about it and work towards it. So luckily, there are ways to set yourself up for success, and that is by focusing on your environment. So environment is two parts. We're talking people and places. Now, the people we hang out with, we all know, have a huge influence over our results. If everybody in your friend zone is wealthy and has killer jobs and loves their life and goes to the gym frequently and are great parents, you're more likely to be those things too. But likewise, if you hang around people that aren't so great for your life, maybe they drink a lot more than you would like to, maybe they eat poorly, um, whatever the heck it is, maybe they're unproductive and all they do is watch Netflix, which, hey, no shame, no, no Netflix shame from me. I enjoy my Netflix too. But if those are the people that you're hanging out with, you are much more likely to become them as well. So I know this is like common sense. You know, when your parents tell you that, be careful who you hang out with because that's who you become. I used to be like roll my eyes when my parents said that, but now I kind of understand. I get it. I know where they're coming from. So let's go through a couple different examples about how changing your environment can actually better your overall habits. So a few years ago, 
I was trying to write in my daily journal every single day. I have this like little uh, kind of a quote of the day journal where every day you just jot down a couple sentences and and just go about your business. So it's really kind of a fun journal. And this journal was on my coffee table in my living room. So part of my morning routine, I'd go downstairs, I'd make coffee, make breakfast, listen to podcasts, and then I would sit at the kitchen table and then I'd go upstairs. I always kept forgetting to journal. I was like, God, Whitney, why can't you just figure this out? It's not that far away. It's like 20 feet away from the kitchen table. Just go pick it up and write in your damn journal. But I didn't. I kept forgetting or I just like wouldn't go walk over there. I know, like total lazy, but I just wasn't doing it. So then I had an idea. I was like, what if I just keep my journal on my kitchen table? Just leave it right there with a pen right next to it. So basically, I was changing my environment. And get this, that coffee table that was 15 feet away, yes, I know, I never got up to do that. But when I moved that journal to my kitchen table, I wrote on in my journal every single day for two years straight because it was in plain sight, had the pen right next to it, and all I had to do was reach out and grab it. So that simple act of changing the physical environment helped me stick to my daily habit of writing in my journal. Now, that's one little basic example. The other example that I like to use is when I was trying to stop buying coffee every single day. I've talked about this a little bit because I was at my nine to five job and I would often find myself looking for a quick cup of coffee. I'm like, I'm just going to run and grab coffee and then I'll be back. And this always happened in the mornings or late afternoons. And so honestly, what I was looking for is I was looking for a reason to delay starting my workday or to fill a boredom gap or like a procrastination. I didn't want to work on a project yet, so I was just going to go grab coffee to give myself a little bit of a break. So that's what I was doing. And I noticed that I would grab my wallet and walk straight to the coffee shop to get my fix. So what I had to do is I had to change my environment. What I did is I would purposely leave my debit card at home or I'd hide it in my car so that nobody could steal my money. (laughs) I'm a little bit paranoid about that. And it was enough of an environment change that I truly stopped buying coffee every single day. I would just drink the office coffee and I'd take a quick walk around the block because I didn't need the coffee. I needed the break from the office. And that small change of physical environment stopped me from buying coffee and I was able to put more money into saving for, you guessed it, my next vacation. So that was a really easy thing to do. And that's the whole point of this. Most of the time, changing our habits is not hard. It's super easy. You just have to change the environment. And sometimes that's physical environment. Sometimes it's people. So you have to determine which one is going to be best for you. A lot of times when I work with coaching clients, so I'm helping them pay off debt. And what I notice is they can't pay off debt necessarily because a lot of their eating out budget is going out to you know $30 happy hours every week with friends. And so you have to be the grown-up sometimes and temporarily say no to those happy hours or to whatever's sabotaging your financial life. You can reallocate it. You can say, hey, instead, maybe you come over to my house. I have a bottle of wine, and we can do wine and cheese. Or you can do something different. But being able to say no and take back control of even that that people aspect of habits is really important because people play a huge role in your results. And if you're surrounded by people that are not supporting your dreams or living a lifestyle that you want to take part in, you can sustain for a while. You can say no for a little while, but eventually you will give in. So be really intentional about who you spend time with in those early days of habit formation because those people might actually be hurting you. So here's your homework assignment for step two. I want you to journal out 
what can you do to set up your environment? This could be physical or people to help you maintain positive habits, write everything out in as much detail as possible for a habit that you're trying to, to change. Okay. You ready for step three? Step three is also a really kind of fun one. It's called creating your frustration list. So a frustration list is kind of fun, kind of annoying, a little bit of both, but there's so many things in our normal day-to-day lives that we tolerate and just aren't really happy with. So we have a habit of settling for less than we deserve in general. So that's where the frustration list comes into play. I want you to look around your house or your office, and I want you to say and ask yourself, what are the things that you need to fix that you've just settled with? Maybe it's a burnt out light bulb that you've been meaning to replace and it's been six months now. Or maybe even it's a squeaky door and every time it shuts, it just drives you crazy because you can hear it. Or maybe it's a pile of clutter that you've got so used to that you barely notice now. The point is we all have frustrations at our homes that we've gotten accustomed to. And that doesn't mean it's okay. It just means that we've settled and accepted it as a norm for our lives. When we accept those annoying little things around our houses and in our lives, we're settling. We are directly settling. When we don't fix the small stuff that annoys us, we start to develop a habit of settling. We secretly tell ourselves, I can't even have these things around my house be better. Why on earth do I deserve more than that? And it's all subconscious, but it really does happen. So here's the deal. I want you to make a list of every little thing in your life that is a little bit annoying to you that you need to fix. When I did this, my my list was pretty lengthy. It was actually really getting quite long, which is sad, actually. But it included things like my shoes were always in my kitchen. I'd come home. I'd just kick off my shoes right in my kitchen. I mean, come on. Why do I do this? I don't know. My clothes were always on the bathroom counter. My pantry was a nightmare. That's why I went through my whole minimalism phase and redid my pantry. So once you have your list all completely written out, take a weekend and just start to fix the small things. Just the small things. Do as much as you can in a weekend and then set a goal of fixing some of the bigger things every few months. So don't try to accomplish this all within one month. You're going to get burnt out, but do a little bit at a time. And this gets you into the habit of taking action and ultimately proves to yourself that you are not a person that settles, especially with the little things. So it sounds cheesy, but it really does make a big difference. So here's your homework assignment for this step. Write down your frustration list. And then start to block off one weekend to tackle as many items as you can. Hire a handyman if you need or bring a friend over to help you, but get this stuff done. Stop settling. And then block off a weekend in your Google Calendar, your GCAL, for the larger projects on your frustration list. Be as specific as possible when you're blocking off the calendar and make sure you you directly specify which project you're going to be working on. Okay. Once we're done with that, we are officially ready for step four, which is to stop relying on willpower. I know every single personal development person on the planet talks about willpower and motivation, and they say that if we just forge our way through and we just make it happen, we will find action. It'll be great. But ultimately, I don't actually believe in willpower. I believe willpower is incredibly short-lived, and if you're waiting for motivation to take action, you're never going to get sustainable results. So you might be hitting the gym for six weeks, but then when your motivation runs low, you find yourself in the exact same place you were before, waiting for that next surge of motivation. Does that sound familiar? This used to be my life for sure. 
surge of motivation. I'm pretty stoked because it does still happen occasionally. And that allows me to accomplish so much more on my to-do list and it feels amazing, but I know it's short-lived. So instead, I look for ways to automate my behaviors because automation is a huge factor in success. Because willpower is so short-lived, we have to focus on automation. So instead of having to log in and pay every single bill you have manually, you can simply automate all of your bill pay, never have to worry about it, and never have to pay late fees because everything's getting paid on time. The same thing goes for our savings, our retirement accounts. All of this stuff should be automated. Anything that takes extra attention and energy does not need to happen in your life. You can just automate it, set it, and forget it. That doesn't mean you can ignore it, but you can forget about it and then make sure you're checking in with your budget as well. So I like to break automation into different categories. This is just me personally. I like to think about things that I can automate in my financial life, in my home life, and then in my business life or your career, if that's your your situation. So for financial life, the things to automate are savings, retirement contributions, bill pay, change the due dates if you need to. So if you haven't automated bill pay because your paychecks don't line up with the bill due dates, ask the companies if you can change the due dates so that it does line up with your paychecks and then you don't have to worry about manually paying them. It's all done automatically. And then the next thing that I automate is my credit card payoff. So I have a credit card for one recurring bill per month, and it's just automatically scheduled to pay for my checking to pay off the credit card on a certain date so that I never pay any interest. And it's just boosting my credit and maintaining my credit score in the background. So for home life, home life's a little trickier to automate because that requires either a lot more money or I just, I mean, I don't like to spend a lot of money on services around my home, so I'm a little bit lazy in that way. I shouldn't say lazy. I'm just frugal in that way. So for home life, my automations are doing the dishes every single night before bed. This has become just part of my normal routine. Tony and I will just take turns on this, and we just load and unload the dishwasher and make sure there's no dishes in the sink. So I kind of love that one. Making your bed every morning is another way that you can automate your home life. Online grocery shopping, if you guys aren't doing this, oh my God, you're missing out. It's incredible. I spend so much time in the grocery stores and I rarely walked out with only the stuff on my list. It was always a lot more. So Tony and I use Instacart for our Costco trips and then we use Walmart's online shopping for some of those smaller items that aren't sold at Costco. So Instacart delivers directly to our door. We try to have that done on Sunday. So we just have our groceries automatically delivered and then we schedule a day or two Um, per month where we would just go to uh, order all of our groceries through Walmart and then just go pick it up. So it's really nice because you don't even have to get out of your car. So definitely automate your grocery shopping. And then services like mowing the lawn or house cleaning. These are all things you can automate too. So I don't personally do the house cleaning automation yet, but I do try to automate my lawn care. So frankly, I don't enjoy mowing the lawn. I don't know. You guys might. I kind of hate it. It's not my favorite thing in the world. So I would much rather find a way to decrease my spending or drive a couple days a week for Uber Eats to pay for this because I do not enjoy lawn care. So I usually will automate that every single year. So now for business and your career life, some of the automations you can try is blocking social media during business hours. This allows you to become a lot more productive putting your phone and computer on do not disturb mode during your productive hours so you're not getting distracted by phone calls and texts and email notifications. Um, Only checking your email twice a day. This is something I started doing when I was working in my nine to five and I thought I would get in trouble for it, but it was actually totally fine. 
The other one that I like to do is write a to-do list the night before or the morning of before I start working so I have a very clear picture of what I need to accomplish. And then outsourcing or delegating tasks that you hate and shouldn't be doing. That one's a little trickier because you may not be able to delegate in your current role, but as much as you can, try to delegate, try to automate just the normal tasks and only focus on those high value those high value tasks. And that's how you can start to move up in the company as well and start to become viewed as a leader in your job. But you've got to learn to delegate. That's super important. So your homework assignment for this step is to list out all of the ways you can automate your life in different categories. And then go through your list and start to make it happen. I highly suggest starting with the financial piece first and then expand to your home life and then your career and business life. So these are the steps and they all build on each other to help you become a highly productive, effective person who does not settle in their lives. When you do this and you start to focus on this stuff, it does take time, but hopefully viewing your habits as an ongoing thing with no end date will help you identify which ones you actually truly want to incorporate in your life and which ones are just not the right time right now. So be very choosy with which habits you introduce because, again, it's an ongoing thing. It doesn't have an end date. But all of these steps will help you to become a better person and help you work on your own habits in your life. Guys, this officially concludes our last 30 days challenge. I hope you've enjoyed this challenge as much as I have. If you did, make sure you let me know. Come either send me an email, Whitney at WhitneyHanson.com. Hang out with me on Instagram. Let me know what you took away from this or even in the private Facebook group, Manage Your Money Like a Boss. I'm so honored that you went on this journey with me and super, super grateful that you got to hang out with me the past four weeks. It's been a true pleasure and happy new year and cheers to making 2019 our best year yet. Thank you so much for listening in. I will catch you next week for a normal and regular episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye.